Hi Redeemed Church, my name is Liz and I'm super pumped to be back here teaching out of Matthew 6. Before I get started, I just wanted to remind you again that life groups start um, the week of September 12th. If you haven't already gotten uh, plugged in, there are several different groups for you to check out. A new one will be held Wednesday um, at 12 o'clock noon. It's actually a prayer and fasting life group. So that's a new one if you haven't already um, um, been plugged in. Um, and also, if you can make it Saturday the 12th, the 11th, so sorry, Saturday the 11th, please come if you can to our, our in-person service at Olympic View Baptist Church. We have an amazing announcement for you and we would love to um, give that together as a body. We would love to celebrate with you and we would love just to see your faces when we give the announcement and just praise God for what he has done at Redeemed Church. So if you can make it six o'clock at Olympic View Baptist Church. All right, so get out your Bibles if you can or your phones, but I'm going to be teaching out of Matthew 6 today. Kurt has already um, talked about the inside practices of giving and of praying, and so I'm going to be talking to you today about another inside practice, fasting. But before we get started, I have a little story to tell you. Um, as you guys know, I was in the Army like 20-something years ago, and one of the hardest things that I've ever done was complete um, airborne school. It was the most physically demanding thing I've ever done and honestly probably one of the most mentally demanding things that I've ever done. And not only did we have to train to jump out of the plane five times in order to pass a complete jump school, but we had to run like five to seven miles every single day in the morning and then we would go and train. And it's not like a jog type of speed. You're in formation and you are running as fast as the pace setters are running. And so um, fun fact about the running portion of jump school is that if you fell out of the run, you're done. You're, you go home. It's kind of like G.I. Jane when like the, you give up and you, you want to go and ring the bell and you're like, okay, I'm out. I can't take it. Well, if you fall back out of a run, fall out of the run, fall out of formation, that's like ringing the bell. You're like, I can't make it. I'm done. And the drill sergeants are like, okay, you know, get back to the barracks, you're headed home. And so there was so much pressure to complete these runs. So um, to me, it felt like an all out sprint in these runs. And the hardest thing that I ever did throughout jump school was the very last day. I'd made every single run, grace be to God. I was literally in my barracks every night with my feet propped up, taking a leave. Uh, I was 20, year, 20 years old, something like that, 20, 21 years old. And I am begging God to get me through the very next run because my body was just crying out in pain. So the very last day I'm thinking, I've got this, it's probably gonna be a chill run. No, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done. I actually was placed back in the back of the formation, which means that anyone with long legs up front and the drill sergeants told them to stretch it out, there was just this accordion effect. And so I'm in the very back of the formation and I'm, I'm falling back a little bit. And what happened when you fell back before you actually out, like kicked out, these drill sergeants would come up yelling at you like, you can't do it airborne, you're falling behind, you might as well quit, go back home, you're going home today. And so I was just, I could feel it. I'm like running back, I can't catch up, my legs fell like, like stumps. 
and then we get to this hill. It's the very last hill before what kind of signaled the end of the run. Once you get to the top of the hill, there was like a quarter mile stretch and then you were home free. And so here I am at this hill. And thankfully, you know, the hills go. You've probably seen um, in group runs, people naturally kind of fall back and catch back up. But once you get to the top of the hill, you've got to give it all you've got and you've got to get back into formation. So I'm somewhere in, in the back of the formation and I have fallen back a little bit and I'm thinking, this is it. I, my legs feel like stumps um, and here comes this drill sergeant and I'm thinking he is going to totally put me on blast. He's going to say, you're done, you can't make it. Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. He comes up to me and he has these crazy intense eyes, big eyes and he didn't, he didn't discourage me. He was like, you can do it. Get back in there. It's the last day. And I was just like, Okay, and I get to the top of the hill only to find another drill sergeant, not so nice, and he's telling me all these things like you're not gonna make it, and to everybody else who was behind me. And I am running with my arms like this, I am screaming, I am like literally grunting. And I'm, op I'm stretching out my legs, if you run track you know it's like, that's the very hard thing to do after you've ran some miles. It felt like the 400 meter dash after the second turn. It was an all out sprint for me, but I caught up and I, I made it, I made jump school. And um, well, and there's, you actually have to land the jumps too. That's not just passing the run. And that's a whole nother story. I actually broke my leg on the fifth jump. I still got out of the plane. So I still got my jump wings, but that's another long story. But I'm telling you that story right now because that was the hardest thing I think I've ever done physically and um, mentally. And what I'm gonna be talking to you today about is a very difficult spiritual practice. And that's actually why I'm wearing this track jacket right now. Um, it's a reminder that we have to gear up. And in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us kind of how to gear up for this inside practice of fasting. Also, if you notice, I'm rocking Kenya, not the United States. Did you guys check out Faith Kepyagon when she ran the 1500 meter um, dash? She was defending her title. She got, she won gold, but it was like after she had had a baby. And so she, it was just like, yes, I can get behind that. I'm buying the jacket. Also, fun fact, shout out to Christian Ministries in Africa. I went to Kenya for three weeks where I met amazing Samson, who is my buddy now. Hey, Samson, I miss you. Um, but also, uh, Christian Ministries in Africa is an amazing thing. Check it out. Do your research. It's an amazing ministry to get behind and sponsor kids. Um, that's a way to give to the needy, actually. So if you're thinking about that. Um, but anyway, in uh, Matthew 6, Jesus tells us um, the kind of gear to put on. And so I want you to think about a time for you um, when it was um, significantly challenging for you, like either physically or mentally or spiritually. And um, why was that particular time difficult for you? Was it because it was long in duration? Was it a new experience for you? Or perhaps was it an old experience for you that just had become daunting or dreadful? or have lost meaning. And so in terms of what we're looking at today in scripture, what comes to mind when you think of fasting? Um, I'll go into greater detail in a moment, but for those of you who may not know, fasting is a spiritual discipline where you choose not to eat or even drink for a period of time. You can fast several different things. Um, it could be a vice that you have, it could be a food that is difficult for you to give up, like sugar. Um, but I'm not talking about intermittent fasting. That's blown up. It's, an, it's a very popular dietary practice where you eliminate food for, um, 
a large window of time and you restrict your eating to a small window of time. In fact, I actually intermittent fast. I try not to eat until uh, after eight, at least until like noon the next day. And it really is great. But that's not spiritual fasting. You can't do intermittent fasting and say, I'm, spiritual fa I'm spiritually fasting. Not the same thing. And that's actually what we're going to be talking today about is the practice of the heart of fasting, where you choose not to eat, but in place of eating, you also make the, ch the choice to turn your heart towards God and his word. And the latter part is the part that moves God. So for example, you might choose to forego your evening meal and instead spend your evening uh, praying or reading scripture and praising God. Um, no matter your experience with fasting, whether you were just learning about it or have had many different experiences or seasons of fasting, God will continue to invite you for all intents and purposes to put on your track jacket and run cheerfully to the practice of fasting and praying. In fact, that is the title of my sermon today and point number one, run cheerfully towards the practice of prayer and fasting. So let's look at our scripture this week. It's out of Matthew 6 again, um, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So last couple of weeks, Pastor Kurt has highlighted and emphasized that Jesus does not say if you give and if you pray and fast, but he says when you give and when you pray and when you fast. These are practices of a person who follows Christ. You see, fasting was a common occurrence, but there were people who practiced it in an outwardly fashion instead of the way God designed it to be. And Jesus called those people hypocrites. Scripture shows us that the practice of fasting has been God's desire for man to do since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve were told to not, to not eat or even touch the fruit of the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden. Eve clearly understood this. Genesis 3, 2-3 says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Even though man failed and sin entered the world, God continued to call his people to fast in different ways all throughout the Bible. When fasting became routine and ritualistic for some like the hypocrites here in Matthew 6, it became more about the outward show of it. But when fasting was done out of a heart set on the Lord, the Lord rewarded them. So why don't we run to this, heart of, to this practice of fasting? Well, like I started this sermon with my, that killer army run, uh, this practice can be very difficult. No pain, no gain, right? And God desires to grow us in spiritual maturity. And this is one of the ways that we do it. And maybe you do, which is great, because if you do, God will use you and your testimonies to help establish a culture of prayer and fasting in our church. Now, let's look at some of the biblical testimonies. Each of them had some major external factors going on, as I know each one of you do right now, and so do I. Um, the basis for my second point are these testimonies, which is when you fast and pray, the acts of God will set things in motion in your life. Let me repeat that. When you fast and pray, the acts of God will set things in motion in your life, but it all begins from the inside of you and the inside of me. I'll break a few of them down here. 
I'll talk about when they fasted or how they fasted, or excuse me, what they fasted, how long, and what God did in response. Moses, he fasted several times, um, but one of his fasts we'll talk about here is found in Exodus 34, 27 through 29. The Lord also said to Moses, write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. He wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was unaware that his face had become radiant from speaking with the Lord. Now, Moses' fasts are often referred to as the supernatural fasts because man cannot live without food or water for 40 days. Yet he did, not once, but three times. The Lord provided supernatural nourishment and imparted to Moses the law, the Ten Commandments, and instruction for how to build the Ark of the Covenant. I'd like to read these few verses found in Proverbs 24 um, because the Lord imparted to him wisdom. Um, Proverbs 24 says, 3 through 7, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in, in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. What God imparts to us when we are in his presence is not something that you can get anywhere else. It is precious. It prepares us for our battles in life, and it gives us strength and might. And it makes, when we fast and we are in the presence of God, it makes us radiant. Compare Moses' face as he comes down from Mount Sinai. He looks radiant. Compare that to the hypocrites where it says, they do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces and their fasting so that their fasting may be seen by others. This is the difference when you are doing fasting and spending time in God's presence the right way, you come out radiant and versus when you're doing it in your own power. There's no evidence, internal evidence, even on the outside that you have set your heart on the Lord. Let's go to our second testimony. Um, in the Bible, his name is Daniel. He was a prophet who received visions and prophecies and supernatural protection from the Lord. Before we look at the specifics of Daniel's fast, this protection piece that God supplied to Daniel is critical to understand because it directly relates to the verses we are studying this week in Matthew 6. Jesus tells us how to fast. He tells us not to look gloomy, but to anoint our heads with, anoint our heads with oil and to wash our face when we fast. What this, does this mean? Well, you may already know that shepherds will pour oil over the heads of their sheep to protect them. The oil creates this protective barrier that is necessary for the sheep and prevents them from all kinds of harm. I'm going to read to you um, some verses out of uh, Psalm 23, 1a and 5b. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and he anoints my head with oil. So does Jesus mean that we should literally pour oil over our heads when we fast? No. This verse tells us that the Lord does that through the power of his Holy Spirit. So perhaps the very first thing we might do when we enter a fasting period or a fasting season is to pray and ask the Lord to anoint our heads with oil to cover us with a protective barrier, perhaps protection from temptation so that we truly do not experience the wants and the desires of the flesh. But looking back at, at Daniel, um, one of his fasts has truly become mainstream. It's become extremely well known, probably from the dietary nuance 
consequences of it. Um, but remember, God is not moved specifically by what we forego, but by the posture of our heart. Daniel did give up wine, meat, and delicacies for three weeks, but he also incorporated bold and regular prayer. In Daniel chapter 6, it says this, Daniel always prayed to God three times a day. Three times every day he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. Even though Daniel heard about the new law, he still went to his house to pray. He went up to the upper room of his house and he opened the windows that faced toward Jerusalem. Then Daniel bowed down on his knees and he prayed just as he always had done. Daniel was eventually thrown into the lion's den for this, but God protected him. The acts of Daniel, the acts of God in Daniel's life are simply astounding. And we are in just as much need of protection today as Daniel was during his time. There are so many accounts of the, in the Bible of fasting, but when we look at Hannah or Esther or when we study the lives of John the Baptist and Jesus, we can't miss the immediate connections between their seasons of fasting and God's response. Hannah fasted and prayed for a child. She became pregnant with and had Samuel. Esther and her people fasted for three days and the king spared her life and granted her people freedom. John the Baptist lived by the Spirit and had a lifestyle of fasting, eating locusts and honey. And he was able to, the power of God, spread the news of the Savior, and he baptized many in the name of Jesus. And Jesus, of course, also fasted for 40 days and nights, was tempted by Satan himself, and afterwards his ministry began. There are, is so much to unpack in each of these testimonies. And with all of my heart, I wish I could dive into all of the details and the, and the benefits of their fasting and the mysteries of it. Um, but simply put, when we fast, we create a highway for the Lord to move in our lives. Our flesh becomes like a desert, and it may feel that way quite literally, both physically and mentally. I've brought a couple of things with me here this week to represent this power of prayer and fasting. And one of them is a picture of a desert. Fun fact, and Kurt, Pastor Kurt is going to kill me. It's a beautiful picture, right? But Pastor Kurt took this picture along with a hundred and 30-something other pictures of nature. He and his wife would go hiking, and he took these pictures, and they are for sale online at Society6. And anyway, I'm just so amazed that our pastor is gifted in, in lots of different ways. But anyway, this is a picture of a desert, and it is rep it represents, I thought it was a good representation of when we fast and pray. When we fast, we are literally eliminating food and water and nourishment from our bodies, and we are creating desert-like conditions in our flesh. We choose dryness so that God's Holy Spirit within us is given priority. Check out this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah is prophesying about a man to come who will, be, who will live being led by the Spirit and in a lifestyle of fasting, who will prepare the way for Jesus. Isaiah 40, 3-5 says, A voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. It's a powerful verse. This verse, of course, is talking about John the Baptist. And no, we don't all have to eat locusts and honey to get God's attention. But when we fast, we are saying, Lord, here is an unobstructed highway for you to move in my life. Lord, I am preparing the way for you, Jesus. I want the uneven ground in my life to become level and the rough places to become a plain. I want your glory to be revealed in my life, in my family, in my church, in my community, and at my work. 
Which brings me to the other item that I brought today and to my third and final point. Fasting is a mirror for your heart and your spirit. I brought a mirror here. And um, when you fast, it is an extremely revealing experience. You probably know that. Um, fasting like the hypocrites did was all for show. They presented themselves in such a way that everyone knew they were fasting. And God says this is a practice that we, sh that we should do in secret, meaning in a way that isn't boastful. We quite literally, when we uh, fast, the way that Jesus acknowledges and rewards, it's like walking into a private space with God and we pray instead of eat. It's like walking into a dressing room with a mirror in it, of course. We take off something in our lives that we can be changed. <clears throat> in those moments between nakedness and newness, this is the hard part. We have the mirror right there in front of us showing both our weaknesses, but also revealing the God-given strength and endurance he has put in our spirits. Simultaneously, when we fast, we are faced with our sin and God's nature. And oh, when we have completed a fasting period, whether it be a day or a meal or three days or three weeks or 40 days or an entire season of fasting, we come out changed and new. There is so much joy and sweetness when that moment is revealed by God, what he has done in response to your fasting, how he has rewarded you. It will come to light and no, it may not come the minute after you were done fasting, but it's like the sweetest surprise that sort of just rolls over you and he gives you confirmation in your spirit that I saw what you did, I saw your heart set on me, and this is how I have worked in your life. I can talk about this boldly and with confidence because I have learned the power of it. Some of the times that I fasted uh, were because our church was encouraging us to participate, much like we uh, just did on Friday. Um, other times it was because God laid it on my heart, but I want to say this as gently as possible because after all, fasting should be done out of a pure heart. But now is the time in my life and in your life, in our church community's life to fast and to pray, to incorporate fasting and praying with some regularity in our lives. Why am I saying this? Well, when we study those in the Bible who fasted, they were aware, completely aware, and totally distraught about what was going on, what they saw. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the law that God had given him, only to find his people worshiping other idols. So he goes right back up the mountain for another 40 days and nights without eating bread or drinking water, and that is when God gave him the Ten Commandments. So are you distraught by what's going on in your life or in your community or in your family or in our world? I know I am and often it feels like I can do nothing about it, but we can and, we, and when we do fast and pray, we give God an unobstructed highway, unobstructed highway to act. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about um, some um, of my personal fasting experiences. One of them, um, and the, probably the most um, Im impactful when I look back in hindsight, was um, when I chose to fast 40 days before my 40th birthday. I'm 42 now, 42 and a half. And um, I chose to fast Wednesdays and Fridays, so 20 Wednesdays and 20 Fridays leading up to my um, 42nd birthday. So it really pushed me out till um, like September I, or November, I believe. And so it was a good like six, five and a half, six months of fasting. And I did choose to give up food. And I'm going to tell you, 
it was extremely difficult. Um, because it sort of came um, with some regularity, your mind does kind of crazy tricks. You doubt yourself, you think it's not working, what's the point, I'm hungry, um, and of course you feel tempted. The, there were many days where I would cheat a little bit, but God kept in his grace and mercy reminding me, set your heart on me. And I would pour into, the, into, the, into scripture. I would pour into books about fasting. I would pour into just worshiping and praying. And, and when you create desert-like conditions in your body, um, there is just something mysterious that happens in your spirit. Your flesh is, is, is lowered and your spirit is elevated and um, you just, um, you can't really explain it. You feel the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You feel um, oftentimes um, having supernatural patience and uh, kindness towards others. There's just something that is working. You can tell that God is working in your life. And I specifically prayed for um, purpose. Um, I knew I had been given some purposes in my life, but I really wanted to give God the uh, full control and say in what I was going to do. And I honestly believed that when I turned 42, sorry, 40, that God was going to have some aha uh, reveal for me. And no, it did not happen the next day. I did um, finish that fasting period with a sense of peace about some things that he had taught me. But I would say by the end, my birthday's in March, by the end of March, I had gone to this um, if gathering and with my friend up in Linden area, I think. And um, I'm waiting to hear all of the speakers and I'm flashing through, reading their little biographies one by one. And I, as I'm reading through like seven, eight, nine of them, um, I'm realizing all of them had something in common. And I was like, hmm, okay, what's this? Well, what they had done, and it's kind of newish at the time, especially for us, you know, regular folks, not in media, they started a podcast. And so I was like, huh, okay, how do I start a podcast? And so anyways, long story short, I go home, look it up, super easy to do. But I, I started this little podcast. I didn't really share it with anybody, but it was God's way of, of maturing me in talking about the Lord and talking about his word. And I recorded probably 11 or 12 episodes in my home. And um, in that process, I became more and more comfortable talking about the Lord. And um, you have to put that one step forward. I'm crying because now here I am getting to speak about the Lord. And if it hadn't been for that little revelation, I wouldn't be here, and not because it wasn't God's plan overall, but I needed that confidence, and it came through a period of, t of fasting. I feel like I've told this story before, but it still gets me every time because it is my passion to talk about the word. And I know that you probably have passions too, and I know that you have people in your life that may not know the Lord, and I know that you are discouraged about what's probably going on in our society and you feel like you can't do anything about it or you just don't know where to turn. Well, I'm telling you that when you set your heart on God and you surrender through the inside practice of fasting, God is so good to reveal the next step for you. Gosh, sorry. Um, so let me get this together and let me pray for you because um, Getting to this particular subject of fasting has just been a bit challenging, and I do believe because it's the God wants this for His people. He, he, this is an older practice, and I think I am 42, so I am. Le 
I am part of the leadership that is leading the next generation. We don't want this practice to get lost in our churches. We don't want this practice to get lost in our families. And yes, it was tradition and it was part of what you just did in the Old Testament, but Jesus has a new covenant for us now. And he tells us that we, when we do these practices, um, that he has a reward for us. So um, I'd love to pray for you if you would go ahead and bow your heads. Um, Father God, may you just give them, give us and um, our church community wisdom to understand fasting. May you give us, um, put the value in our, uh, in our hearts for it. May fasting strengthen you, may it strengthen me. Um, God, may you be revealed in these times of fasting. Would you show your character when someone chooses to forego something that is so difficult for them? Would you choose to reveal your character so they become closer to you? May we see this, God, as our go-to when we sense that something is off or wrong in our lives. May we allow this practice to reveal our sin. And God, may we, when we see this practice, may we see this practice as the very first step of repentance of our sin. And God, may myself and our community, may we run to the practice of fasting cheerfully as it creates a highway for you to work in our lives. Thank you, God. Um, amen. So. Um, I hope that this encouraged you. If you have been fasting, keep it up. And please, if you feel uh, so inclined, leave comments about the power, what the power of prayer and fasting has done in your life. We would love to hear your testimonies. And um, again, um, if you have not, um, if you're new to fasting and praying in this way that I've talked about, perhaps you might consider joining the life group that we're doing Wednesdays at 12 noon. We will be uh, fasting our, our, lunch, our midday meal. No, you won't be kept accountable of it, but it's a very a good introductory way to um, try fasting. And it's also an amazing way to do um, the practice of fasting with some regularity in our lives. And so when we meet together on Wednesdays at noon, we're gonna be talking, we're gonna be praying over each other, praying over our church community, praying over what's coming down the pike for us and um, praying for our community. So. Uh, be sure to also to come Saturday night, and um, there's a, we have a big announcement. So uh, uh, be blessed. Much love.